Together, we are creating a new future for the Valley because of your generosity. Your financial support is being used to produce content and create a loving community that is bringing hope to hurting people during the COVID pandemic and quarantine. Your giving equips New Soul Rebetta with tools to provide access to our services and support for people who can only meet with us by phone. Because you give, the hungry are being fed, and we've launched a winter warmth campaign to protect people in the valley from the cold this season. With your help, in 2021, we're not slowing down, but ramping up a campaign to expand our digital reach to help and inspire more kids, students, singles, families, and seniors. Your giving is making a difference in the community. 1 Timothy 6, 17-19 says, Don't be full of yourselves and obsessed with money, which is here today and gone tomorrow. Go after God, who piles on all the riches we could ever manage. Do good. Be rich in helping others. Be extravagantly generous. If you do that, you'll build a treasury that will last, gaining life that is truly life. We have quick and easy ways for you to give. Online, newsolribetta.com. By text, text BLESS to 94000. By app, download the Tithely app. Or by mail, New Soul Rebetta, P.O. Box 574, Rebetta, New Mexico, 87560. To receive text updates from New Soul Rebetta, text Rebetta to 94000. I used to be a jerk. Yep, a jerk, full on. I didn't like people. I grew up without many friends, and so I, I guess I just felt different all the time, different than anyone, and um, I felt alone, so I got used to being alone, and I got pretty good at being alone. So when people came around, it completely messed up my solitary little world. One day, my sister, Sally, bought, brought her new boyfriend, Matt, over to introduce him to me. She was my baby sister, still is, and is eight years younger than me, and was wanting her big brother, brother's approval on this relationship that was headed towards marriage. It was in the late afternoon and evening, and I was upstairs working. I was very bothered that they showed up because I felt like it was very inconvenient for me to stop and hang out with them for the next hour or two. They were downstairs with Renee, who is always very gracious and very kind. But I stayed upstairs for a while because I wasn't just going to go downstairs and stop what I was doing just because they showed up. I would come downstairs when I was ready, when it was on my schedule, not theirs. When I finally did come downstairs, my surliness was very apparent in my body language and the tone of my voice and in the way that I spoke to them. I had an opportunity to do something good for my sister and someone that was very important to her. But instead, I made it about me. I wasn't intending to be mean or a jerk. If you were to ask me then why I was asking, acting the way I was, I would have told you, well, I'm just being honest. I'm being true to how I really feel. You don't want me to be a hypocrite. You don't want me to be fake or a phony, do you? I told myself that I was not a people person. That episode is part of my story that I regret. 
Maybe you can relate to how I felt, or maybe you're the one who lives or works or goes to school with someone like this. If I ask the people living, working, or going to school with you, if they knew anyone who was a jerk or the female version of a jerk, do you think any of them, if they were honest, would think of you? We live in times of a global pandemic, of increased racial tension, high unemployment, a higher cost of living, and political polarization. And we all feel pressure to take sides, to be for this and against that. So the tension in our culture has increased, and it increases for us and for those around us. And our culture has also been telling us to include everyone and not leave anyone out, which is really good. It talks to us about wearing masks or getting vaccinated because it's more kind to be be that way and to do that. But yet somehow the way it's being done, it can come across as a threat. For many of us, the world has gotten a little more divided, a little more sensitive, and a little less kind. Without kindness, our culture, our marriages, our families, our jobs, our schools start to tear apart at the seams. Instead of united, we stand. It's divided, we fall. Today, we're in part three of a series entitled Friends, and we've been talking about the importance of relationships in our lives, that we all need real friends. We've been reminded that the quality of our lives depends on the quality of our relationships, that no human can achieve greatness or achieve their potential all by themselves. For some of us, our relationship problems begin with how we feel about ourselves. So, do you like yourself? If you don't, your relationship problems with others begin right there. Some of us learned for the first time in this series that we humans were never designed to live uh, alone. That we were never designed to do life alone, not even alone with God. You were created to live in community, to open up your life to others and to have them open up their lives to you. That we were designed to share ourselves with one another. We learned that living this way requires courage because we naturally tend to hide who we really are because we're afraid. We're afraid to be vulnerable with each other. So we put on masks and We hide behind them and we cover ourselves so people don't see who we really are and then reject us. Last week, we learned that conflict is normal to relationships and that the way that we handle that conflict will determine how healthy and successful our relationships are. That when we are in conflict, when we do it in a way that always puts others first with honor, that our relationships will be better and our lives will be better. We learn that some of us are inspired to be disrespectful when we feel devalued by somebody or made to feel like we don't matter. And that some of us are inspired to make other people feel like they don't matter and devalue them when we don't feel respected by them. We learn that the only way out of this destructive pattern is to give honor to others even when they don't deserve it. The Apostle Paul writes to Jesus' followers in Ephesus 2,000 years ago. He writes from a prison in Rome, and he says, Get rid of all 
bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other. Be kind to each other. If you fall asleep or lose power or forget everything else I say, here's the big idea. Kindness is the glue that holds relationships together, even when everything else is falling apart. The Apostle Paul was writing these things to a group of people that were multi-racial. Uh, uh, they were multilingual. They had different languages, multicultural. They came from different backgrounds and religious backgrounds and cultural backgrounds. Some were farmers, some were business owners, some were fishermen, some were involved in politics, some were thinkers, and some were doers. They had different languages, customs, and cultures, different foods, different things they liked. These differences caused tension, anger, and other destructive behaviors and attitudes in them. Ephesus was a huge city. It was like New York City or San Francisco. And in that day, it was the most important cultural and economic and religious city in that part of the world. The, especially when it came to the worship of Greek and Roman gods. What the Greeks and Romans believed about themselves, those are the inhabitants of that city, and the world around them flowed out of their religion. Paul went to Ephesus and told the people there of a brand new way about Jesus and the good news of his teaching, his life, his death, and his resurrection. The people in Ephesus began to turn away from Greek and Roman religions and began following Jesus instead. But they struggled with how to take what they were hearing about Jesus and how to make the connection to how they were living their lives every day. How are you doing on that, by the way? How are you doing at taking what you're hearing, maybe in this series, about Jesus and putting it into the practice of how you live each day? Paul challenges them to take the story of Jesus and make it part of their daily reality. He writes, Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life which is corrupted by lust and deception. Paul says that since they have heard about Jesus and learned that he taught that we're to love one another as he loved us, that the Ephesians needed to be intentional about throwing off the old way of thinking and of living their lives. It wasn't automatic just because they heard it. He says that the old way of thinking and doing life had become corrupted by their own strong desires to follow their own impulses and to lie to themselves about what they were really doing. And lust here in this context means strong desire. It's not just connected to sex. It's when you want what you want, how you want it, when you want it. Whether it's money, power, sleep, pleasure, comfort. Paul was teaching them that when they follow these impulses, that they are still living in the old way of thinking and doing life. He says, instead, let the, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. Put on your new, new nature. The Spirit of God is going to lead you and I in the direction of love, in the direction of gentleness, 
in the direction of self-control, not in the direction of bitterness or revenge and giving in to any impulse you have. He's telling them to make a choice, to allow God's spirit to lead them, to follow. When they do this, they're putting on this new version of themselves. That's when they start becoming part of this new humanity that Jesus is creating in the world. Why are we the least kind to the people we are closest to and the most kind to the people we don't really know? It's an interesting statement about us. We, we tend to act this way. Um, you know, Paul, in all of these things, was teaching them about kindness. And he was teaching them that they had to learn to be intentional about being kind, that it wasn't going to happen naturally, that it's an intentional act. Some of, uh, of you, you live your lives by instinct, the same instinct that you have followed your whole lives and you're comfortable with it. How's that working out for you, by the way, and the people in your life? When you live by instinct, maybe some of you pull away, maybe some of you judge, maybe some of you attack, some of you try to be the center of attention, some of you hide. For most of us, our old nature leads us to be the least kind to the people we love the most and the most kind to the people we love the least. Everyday aggression is what researchers call this phenomenon. Our homes are supposed to be places of peace, safety, and unconditional acceptance. Here's a pro tip for you. The people you are closest to in your life, they need your kindness the most. The people you are closest to need you to be kind to them the most. Sometimes it's hard to be kind to the people we're closest to. Come on, let's be honest. Why is it sometimes easier to be kind to a stranger? Well, because you don't know them that well yet. Just give it time. Paul is saying, take that off. That old way of living where you're kinder to strangers than you are to the people closest to you. To put on something new. It's like a fashion statement, you know, fashion is always changing. Um, it, it's always changing. This is me when I think about I was about 12 or 13, maybe a little bit older, like in that, uh, <laughs> that hair, I always had a big comb in my back pocket to make sure with the feather, it was nice and feathered and a really skinny collar, the big, with the big uh, splashes of black and white. Um, yeah, that's, Fashion changes, right? It changes over time. And if you don't change with that fashion, everyone around you can tell where you're stuck. Um, and Paul is saying something about our own fashion in our lives, about the, the, the type of lifestyle that we lead. He's saying that you need to take off the old fashions and put on something new. You can't just keep doing what you used to do. We want to put something on. If you're a fashionista or somebody who's really into fashion, you want to put something on that's timeless, something that can stand the changes that occur. When you put on kindness, 
No matter how old you are, what your background is, what you look like, when you put on kindness, it's beautiful. It's attractive, no matter when, no matter where, no matter who you are. So how do you put on kindness? Well, first, you take off trying to be right and put on making things right. So the way this works is you have to, Paul is saying, take something off and then put something on. So first take off trying to be right all the time and put on making things right. Nine out of 10 men agree that their wives or girlfriends are always right. (laughs) The 10th husband has been heard from since somebody created that study. One of the hardest things in the world is to be right and not hurt the other people with it. How are you doing at this? Are you trying to make sure the other person and the other people in your life know how right you are? Or are you trying to make sure that things are right between you? To be kind, we also must take off indifference and put on responsiveness. People who are great at relationships are responsive to the small bits of information that are important to other people. Let's say, for example, that you're with somebody who says, hey, look at that bird over there, or I just got a new bird. You would say, tell me about that bird. Where did that bird come from? When did you start getting into birds? That's called responsiveness. When you respond this way, you're leaning into, you're responding to that person's appeal for attention. Indifference is just to let it pass on by. You may not be interested in birds at all. You may hate birds, but it's not about you. It's about responding to what's important to the other person. That's what kindness looks like. Maybe a, you're with someone and a text comes in and that person says, oh, now maybe you don't care about the text. The last thing in the world you want to talk about is what's happening on a text. There's drama involved with it. It may not be important to you at all, but it isn't about you. It's about them. So you say, what happened? Tell me about it. People who are great at relationships are responsive to the small bits important to other people. If you're a guy, by the way, it doesn't mean you have to fix it. Just shut up and listen. When we pay attention, it's how we show kindness. When we show kindness, we take off talking and we put on listening. Waiting by the way, until the other person finishes talking so that you can talk, is not listening. Seeking first to understand before you are understood is listening. When your attitude is, I'm going to make sure you know how I feel, you start interrupting people. You cut people off. You start raising your voice. That is being unkind. Some of you came from families where people just kept talking louder. Yelling might be the norm in the world you grew up with because nobody is listening. Here's a pro tip. When you start getting frustrated with someone at home or at work or out in the community, how about ask this question? Will you please help me understand? 
you don't want, you know, th there's the frustration starting to build. Just ask the question, will you please help me understand? I want to understand you. I'm starting to get frustrated here, but I want to understand you. Please help me understand. Listen to them first instead of listening to the voice in your head. Listen first. Do you understand what they are saying? Really? Not just their words, but their heart? When you listen, really listen to someone, you are paying attention. And paying attention to someone else will always cost you something. Listening is not easy. It might cost you multitasking or doing something else or just thinking about what you want to say. Giving someone your attention is one of the greatest gifts you can give to any human. It's how you show kindness because it allows the other person to feel heard. Listening will give you a better perspective on what's really going on. Clarity with that person. Not just what you think or assume is going on with them. And that should matter to you because they should matter to you. You show kindness when you throw off anger and you put on self-control. This is Rain Price. And Rain, um, this was taken during Rain's freshman year of high school. And on his first day of high school, uh, his parents thought it would be a good idea, as many parents do, uh, to go out and wave at him. His first day, he's growing up. There he goes, out on the school bus um, on, his, on his way to high school. Well, Rain, of course, was embarrassed. So he came home and told his parents how ashamed he was of them for standing in the front yard and having the audacity of waving to him as he went off in the school bus and how they made them, him look stupid in front of his friends and how ashamed of them he was. Well, Rain's dad got mad and then he got creative. The next day, Rain's dad went back out as the bus was pulling up and waved at his son dressed like this. And the next day, he did the same thing dressed like this. This is Rain's dad. And the next day, and on and on for 170 straight days, his entire freshman year. This went viral and it was on TV and it got a lot of traction on social media. Of course, Rain's friends were lining up every day to see how dad was, Rain's dad was going to dress up. You know, most of the time, you and I aren't as creative in dealing with our anger as Rain's dad. And Paul writes, for example, to the Ephesians about anger. He says, don't let, don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. For anger gives a foothold for the devil. We all get angry sometimes. Jesus got angry. Anger isn't an, a sin, it's an emotion. Don't sin by letting anger control you, dictate what you say and how you act and how you say things. Some of you know the sound of a smoke alarm. Some of you have it who's still going on off in some room, the little sound, the chirping sound to let you know you need to change the batteries. But when the smoke alarm goes off in your house, 
It doesn't mean you sprint out of the house as fast as you can and jump through a window and break down a door and leave. What the smoke alarm does is it alerts you, it warns you, it gets your attention and it tells you that something is happening that you need to check out. What if we began to view anger as an alarm to alert us to other emotions stirring inside? What if anger made us curious? Um, some of you have heard of of the uh, of an of a anger uh, avalanche before, or an anger glacier before. And what an anger glacier is is like a glacier in the water. What you see on top of the water is is part of of what the is going on, but there's so much of the mass of the glacier underneath the surface that you don't see. In fact, the, ma the vast majority of what's happening, part of that glacier is underneath the surface. And many times what's behind anger is fear. It's loneliness. It's sadness. Sometimes it's just hungry. Sometimes we're just hangry. Um, sometimes it's jealousy. Sometimes it's insecurity. But there are so many things that are behind anger. And um, you, the people you love the most in your life, the people you're closest to are the ones who suffer the most from your anger issues. You owe it to the people you love the most to deal with your anger. They need and depend on your kindness. And when you give them anger, they suffer. They are the ones that carry the burden every day. Sometimes your anger may be because you don't have healthy boundaries and you can't seem to say no when you should. And it starts to cause frustration and build up inside you. Anger gives a foothold to the devil. Anger makes it easier for the devil to do what he wants in your life. To scale a rock, those of you who are rock climbers or no rock, anything about it. You go from one spot to another as you're trying to get to your goal. And the devil has a goal in your life, things he'd like to do to you and your family, your life. And what he does is uh, when when a climber is climbing a rock, they, have, they go from foothold to foothold, climbing up. And it's a launching point to keep moving towards the goal. Anger is a launching point for the devil and what he wants to do in your life and in my life. When you allow anger to control you, you are giving the devil a solid place in your life to do what he wants. Paul continues, Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Some of you were raised in a household where yelling, anger, and foul and abusive language were business as usual. Some of you live in an environment like that right now. Some of you work in an environment like that. Some of the anger in our lives does come from inside us, but it, it can also be learned from others. Anger is contagious. So what's your response when life doesn't go your way? What response did you see growing up? Was it anger, yelling, turmoil, bitterness? 
Some of you may be filled with anger right now because you want your circumstances to change. But what if God was far more interested in changing your heart and the way you think than he was in changing your circumstances? And he's using the circumstances of your life to do something much more important in you than changing your circumstances. Remember, you have control over the words that you say. You have control over the words that you say. You might need to repeat that a few times. You are incredibly powerful and no word comes out of your mouth without your permission. If all you want to say is foul and abusive words, I know there's sometimes that's all I want to say. Keep your mouth shut and keep yourself from saying or texting or posting anything foul or abusive. It doesn't mean it doesn't mean you can't think it or feel it. It just means you don't let those words out. You put a guard over your mouth or your phone. You can stop them. What if you decided today to only allow words that encourage and that are helpful to others out of your mouth and in the words you text and post? You know, kindness is the glue that keeps relationships together, even when everything else is falling apart. Kindness is powerful. Kindness is a difference maker. Kindness is more powerful than anger. This woman writes, I've been having nerve issues. She's a woman in the wheelchair. If any of you follow Humans of New York, this is uh, one of the couples that's captured in one of the stories. If you follow them on Instagram. She says, I've been having nerve issues. And this past year, it's gotten so bad that it hurts too much for me to walk. It was completely unexpected. I've always been such an optimistic person, but now I'm fighting with depression. My husband is doing everything he can to take my mind off it. We're not sure if I'm ever going to get better, but he's planning a backpacking tour through Europe for when I do. And I told him I didn't think I could handle a visit to New York right now, but he told me that he'd push me around the whole city and he has. And whenever I feel particularly down, he tells me that he's not going anywhere and how happy that he is that he married me. Not long ago, I had a particularly rough period when I was at one of my lowest moments and he asked if we could renew our vows. Now that's the power of kindness. If you're awkward around people like I can be, may have social anxiety, here's your pro tip. Begin by being kind to people. Friendships are held together by kindness. Marriages are held together by kindness. Companies and churches are held together by kindness. If you feel like your relationship with family or friends, employees or employer, or even your neighbors is coming apart, try applying a dose of kindness. Kindness is the glue that keeps relationships together and it puts them back together when they come apart. You know, the kindness of God 
sent Jesus into the world because he loves you. Earlier in this talk, I mentioned how you'll always have a difficult time being in a peaceful and healthy relationship with others if you don't have a peaceful and healthy relationship with yourself. The kindness of God sent Jesus into the world for you because he loves you, because he values you, even if you don't value yourself. You are loved more than you will ever know. You're so valuable to the one who made you, who designed you, the one who put the stars in the sky and who created this incredible planet that we live on. He values you because he knows you and he knows what you're capable of. He wants a relationship with you. He wants you to have the best life possible. If you're watching or listening and sense God is calling you to respond to his kindness, to put your trust in Jesus, to make you righteous and to make you clean and to give you a new start, I want to invite you right now, wherever you are, to respond. Come as you are. Surrender your anger and your rage and your bitterness and your hurt and all your issues to your Heavenly Father and give your life to Jesus. Will you pray with me right where you are? Just repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I realize that you love me even when I don't love myself. I realize that you value me more than I value myself. You have a plan for my life. I come to you with all my anger, with all my regrets, with all the problems and issues and challenges I'm facing right now. And I lay them before you. I give you my life. Jesus, I give you my life. Father, give me a new heart. Put your spirit within me. I want to be born again. I give you my life. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us. And don't miss next week for part four of Friends.
Say